It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Let's, let's pivot to some big Padres news that broke sh- a short while ago, and, and that is that, coming from John Heyman, in a report in the USA Today, that the Padres are going to listen to offers on Juan Soto, on Blake Snell, on Josh Hader. This is a, a a 180. They had been saying for days that they were not going to do that. They went out and lose two or three to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and maybe that sort of accelerated this decision. What do you think as, you know, again, being right there at, at the center of the heartbeat with this team, what are your thoughts on your team maybe going the route of selling, looking at maybe a Soto trade? Is this a disaster? Is this a debacle? It'd Give be a Christmas miracle. No, no. So, <laughs> well, 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 let's, well, let's, let's not forget. Um, I don't like to, you know, put Soto in the same bucket as I do Snell and Hater. Sure. With somebody like Juan Soto, all right, let's start with Juan Soto. Had a really mm-hmm. difficult April with the San Diego Padres and, you know, coming off of his difficult second half and really overall tough 2022 with the Nationals and the Padres for Soto standards, right? Still a completely mm-hmm. league above average player. But ever since May, he's really looked like the Juan Soto of old. He's going to the opposite field. He's getting on base at an mm-hmm. absurd clip. This guy has a 920 OPS and already hit 20 home runs, yet he still seems like he can do more. And that's how special Juan Soto is. Mm-hmm. I am only offering Juan Soto if and only if, number one, there's clear organizational insight that he's not going to agree to an extension until he hits free agency. Or you get just a godfather offer that comes close to what you gave up to get him last year, which I don't believe both are going to happen. So, I mean, you know, first of all, with an extension, it's uh, Boris has been very adamant about waiting till he hits free agency. So it would probably require an insane contract offer. Wouldn't you say so, Jim, for, for Juan Soto? He will get the second richest contract in the history of baseball when he becomes a free agent. The first yeah. richest we are going to see this offseason with Otani, yeah. and Soto will have the second richest contract in the history of baseball. Yes, and then related to Blake Snell and Josh Hader, th- these are the ones that are going to drive me crazy if they don't if they don't move them. Mm-hmm. First of all, I- I've covered Blake Snell for a few years now. Good baseball player, but allows the mentality of the game sometimes to get on him. This is a clear example of a player being extra motivated and being in a contract year. It, it, it's so yes. obvious. Mm-hmm. Listen, Blake Snell is not going to be a 2-5 ERA guy in the tenor of his contract. He's going to be a high threes guy. He's going to have an awful start and have an amazing second half, just like he is always this year. That just happened a little bit earlier this year, and now mm-hmm. he's probably going to win the Cy Young in the National League. The difference of Blake Snell on this powder team versus not is not the difference of them making the postseason. It has been an offensive issue. Their rotation's been fantastic. And considering, Jim, what the Angels just gave up to get Lucas Giolito, could you imagine what Baltimore would give Preller and the Padres, what Texas would right. give Preller and the Padres? And now imagine packaging the best closers in the National League with that. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a top 10 prospect yeah. in the game. This is such a seller's market because oh. of the amount of buyers. It is so buyer heavy. The supply does not meet the demand, which means if you have a product to sell, you are going to get a great return for it. You are going to get a great inflated price for that piece of property that you own. And the Padres really, really, it's smart. It's good to hear that they are looking to looking at looking at offers but let's let's sort of take a step back sure 
What went wrong for the Padres this season? It was supposed to be a phenomenal season. Is it that <laughs> Joe Musgrove dropped a, a, a kettlebell on his toe when it was over? That was the beginning of it. That was step one. It was, but you had the best, at least top four lineup that we have seen on paper with the with with, with Machado, with Tatis. With Bogarts, with Soto, those four at the top of the lineup, and Crony's no slouch, and Hassan Kim's been decent with the bat. How how did we get to this point? What went wrong for the Padres in 2023? Well, you know, on the surface, it, it's tough, right? You take a look at the San Diego Padres; they have the third highest run differential in the National League. Yeah, and I know, and I know, it's a stat that people don't like, but. It, it's it's quite simple. They have not won the close games. And, and last year, that's all they were doing. And, and it, so that's the first thing. The second thing is the Potters have the third worst record in baseball against teams under 500. They haven't taken care of the teams that they should be taking care of, a la the Pittsburgh Pirates, one in five against the Pirates this year. Okay, I would I would say the Potters were responsible for for what the Brewers had to give up to get uh, Santana. I mean, because he just demolished the Padres. Anyways, jo- jokes aside. Uh, Jim, it, it's been it's been two things. It's been their unwillingness to win close games, and mm-hmm. second, and this is where I put it on Preller, it's been their lack of depth. It, right. You know, it's very easy to go buy the one thousand dollar Louis Vuitton belt if your parent gives you a thousand dollars, but it's another thing to make amends of what you're doing with the constricted budget and to fill the holes. And the Padres have had consistent lack of production from their six to nine. Mm-hmm. They have no homegrown guys that they can call up and rely on. Right. And for some reason, they want to DFA guys like Rudinetto Odor over Matt Carpenter because the GM doesn't want to make him admit that he made a mistake with Carpenter. So there's a lot of things that talk about this Potter team. But for me, the biggest thing would be their lack of organizational depth. And that has yep. what killed them. Even late in games yesterday, Taylor Coley, a random guy they have to put up eighth in their order, chance to save the season. Can't rely on him to do so. No. I mean, it was one of the... sort of attack points that uh, if you wanted to go against the Padres at the beginning of the season, you could say, well, this lineups after the first four, we don't, we don't care about anybody else. That's, that's coming up. We don't care about five through nine. And so then you are, then you need one through four to be hot all the time. So if you don't care about five through nine and let's say, Bogarts has been in a slump and Bogarts has spent much of the season in a slump and let's say Machado's in a slump, then you only care about two of the bats. So that depth definitely played a role and it's now it's gotten even worse. It has Jim. gotten even worse because of who you are calling up. I, I, can I say this? I'll say this. Yeah. yesterday. I feel like it was yesterday's game. I was watching and there was a moment where the Padres were coming back. And it looked like, here we go. You have Juan Soto. I believe it was a pinch hit appearance. Juan Soto comes up with the bases loaded. This is the element about Juan Soto that drives me crazy sometimes. He draws the walk. It scores a run. But the problem is the guy on deck is Trent Grisham. And if you're Juan Soto, you need to know that. You can't draw a walk in that situation if you're Juan Soto. You have to know that there is a POS bat behind you that's going to strike out, and he did strike out. You have to get a hit. You foul that. You ball four, you foul it off. I believe Juan Soto is probably a good enough hitter where if he just wanted to foul a ball off to continue and extend in that bat, he could do that. 
He's got to do that when Trent Grisham is on deck because Trent Grisham is going to let him down, and that's exactly what happened. And I feel like that's sort of a little microcosm of what's going on. Soto, I love you. I love that you're going to have a 400 on-base percentage, but the 250 batting average, I want that batting average back up at 300 like it used, like it was years ago or, or at least close to 300, which put his on-base percentage at like 440. It was, it was ungodly. And he's not doing that right now. He draws the walk. They score one run instead of two, which is what they would have gotten if he put the ball in play. And then Trent Grisham strikes out. Yeah, in, in, in his defense, Jim, there was actually a batter in between Soto and Grisham. Oh, was there? Okay. The, the, the highlight, I watched it. However, though, it was probably a worse hitter than Trent Grisham. So your point still 100% <laughs> yes. still stands. The only difference is people would argue he got to get on base. You can still sack fly mm-hmm. ties the game. But a lot of Pottery fans would agree with you in the fact that, heck, we'd rather have Soto go down swinging than, than right. walking in a run. It was it was your boy Taylor. Uh, how do you say his last name? Taylor Coley. And and, and, and this is an example of a random guy that Preller mm-hmm. just calls up because the media says he has no homegrown guy, so he has to force a guy from Double A. The right. depth of this organization is nothing. If the Dodgers, if there was a gun to the Dodgers head, they would have a guy in Triple A that, that can have a quality big league at bat. And that's the difference. And that's why we love baseball. It's not the NBA. AJ probably would be a great NBA general manager. Just pay right. all your starting five and go right. go to the finals every year. But this is baseball. And and it, and it's brutal. But, you know, related to Juan Soto, I, I understand the frustration sometimes with Padre fans. But it's like, he's not getting anything in the zone. I mean, he he's not getting anything in the zone. And if you're David Bednar, Jim, you're more right. than okay walking. You're okay walking in Juan Soto. Especially. pronounce his last name and it's probably it probably doesn't matter yeah. because he's gonna be gone in a week him and grisham on deck yes bednar is walking it's barry bonds would get intentionally walk with the bases loaded that was essentially david bednar saying i'm not gonna give him anything to hit and if he doesn't swing i don't care because i can get the next two guys out yeah yeah so and, and, and i had a little bit of a baby temperamental breakdown on my Post game show yesterday. I I'm saw not gonna it. Lie I you. saw it. <laughs> I, I know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was the most mad I've been in a long time because yeah. the way that game ended was just the the epitome uh, of the San Diego Padres. And, and this is when I tell people we can talk about AJ Preller, we can talk about all that, but this is where he gets exposed, right? This mm. is where he gets exposed when you mm. have these guys, and also when you consistently fail in the international signing pool, when you never trade, when you always trade your guys away because you're not patient. Isn't a right. part of development, Jim, failure? You have to see your guys fail a little bit, you know, in, in the big leagues. You know, Josh Naylor failed a little bit. They dealt him immediately, right? C.J. Abrams, I know it got you on Soto. Now look at the month of July he had. Cal Quattle failed a little bit. Now it's just it, there wasn't enough patience in San mm-hmm. Diego. And now you you can't afford buying a whole team. You had the whole team. You had Jack Sawinski. You gave up to get Adam Frazier. Oh, man. You know, there's there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that out there right now, and that could come back to haunt A.J. Preller for his job moving forward, which is crazy because you think of the players he's been able to go out and get there, and if there's a head to roll, I, I mean, I don't think it's the manager. It, it could be the general manager, but again, he's done so much to bring in marquee players, marquee talent. Let's let's maybe along the lines of AJ Preller and, and what the Padres are going to do moving forward. Should they sell? Again, we get the report from John Heyman that they are 
going to be listening to offers. That does not mean that they're going to actually trade anybody and go into sell mode. They have been saying they want to buy. For them to make the postseason, I think the Padres probably need to win something like 40 games the rest of the way, which means they need to go like 40 and 19 or something to that effect. And I looked at the schedule. They don't have 40 wins that they can go out there and get. Uh, So what do you think? Should they sell? Should they buy? Yes or no? And why? Well, should they sell? Yes. Will they sell? No. Yeah. And and that's the brutal thing. I mean, there was an article that came out in a, a two hours ago from the Union Tribune, the, the local reporters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Joe Musgrove even quote, was quoted today. Listen to this. He said, I understand the fans are frustrated and looking forward to next year. But when we're a game out, and don't have Snell or Hater, we'll be kicking ourselves. There is way too much faith in this roster right. from their own roster themselves. Right. And and so literally they're going to buy, or at least they're going to stand pat. But I would not be surprised if Preller went and got a bullpen piece and he went and got a CJ Crone or some DH mm-hmm. and went for it. And what's going to happen is Blake Snell is going to end up pitching meaningless games in the end of September. and He's going to win an Ashley Cy Young and you're going to get a compensatory draft pick. Everyone's happy, right, Jim? Except me. Right. I, I feel like you have to look at what's going on in these markets where, I mean, look at Cincinnati. They just keep calling guys up, right? And, and Christian Encarnacion uh, Strand, Christian Christian Encarnacion Strand. Why do I feel like I have that name backwards? Yeah, I um, I, I, I I mean, but ahead, with, sure. you've, you've got him, you've got Ellie David Cruz, you have Matt McLean. Cincinnati's calling up all of these guys, and that's how they're reinvigorating the fan base, electrifying the city just with what they're calling up. So Preller has taken the approach of let me go get the guys instead of developing. And but the way it's working in Major League Baseball is letting your guys come up and be great. So I think that they should. They really should sell because what they could get for Blake Snell, you talked about it a a little bit ago about what the White Sox got for Lucas Giolito. Mm -hmm. Go out there. You need to trade Blake Snell. You need to trade. You need to trade at least one of those two. And you need to get into some serious, aggressive Juan Soto negotiations and try to leverage the fact that there is Juan Soto would be the best bat, obviously, but go to the Yankees. And talk the Yankees up. Tell the Yankees that, you know, the the Dodgers are a division rival, but you're thinking about it. Get the Yankees up. Get Jason Dominguez away from the New York Yankees. Do do something. Get something for Juan Soto if you if you can, because again, the Potters can dominate this market. Dominate they could. This market. They could. They really could. They'd have three of the top five pieces available if they made them available, and they would bring in such a haul. Uh, however, the unfortunate part, and Rosenthal wrote this in his piece today, is that mm-hmm. he said Preller is pot committed, as is his owner, Peter Seidler. What we mean by pot committed is a term used in poker to describe a player who has so many chips invested that it would be incorrect for him to fold. Right. And that and that can be the concern. Because mm-hmm. if you're selling Snell and you're selling Hater, that's Preller admitting defeat. And what's been yep. the toughest thing for A.J. Preller to do? Say it with me. It's admitting defeat. That's right. why it took him 3,800 years to DFA Austin Nola or to option him because he doesn't want to admit defeat. Why did right. he designate Rudnett Odor for assignment before Matt Carpenter? Because he doesn't want to admit defeat. 
And that's been Preller's biggest MO. We can't put his ego aside, and I think that's going to continue yeah. into August 1st trade deadline. Yeah, this will be this will be something. We've seen Preller go out and buy and, and bring guys in. We have not seen him sell. What kind of a selling general manager can he be will be interesting to see.